You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in, everybody, episode 573 of the podcast of the Super America, the Tour Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022, people. It is game week, baby. That is right. Week zero is here. And I'm just going to tell you, we have a little bit of a different episode of the Tour Sports Podcast this week. Quirky week. We're going to get back on track, I promise you. As I told you on Friday, there was no Monday episode. In case you forgot, uh, the Torres family added a little four-legged furry addition uh, to our family on uh, on Sunday, so I had to go take care, go pick her up. Uh, she is back at the house now, already be, being treated like a queen. But there was no show on Sunday. What I want to do today on Monday is something a little bit different. So, in addition to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, I also do a college football betting specific show. Heavy on college football, heavy on betting, you can probably guess. It is called College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. So rather than do a normal show, since we had no show Monday, what I'm going to do is this quick intro, and then I am going to throw to an episode that I did last week, looking at the Heisman Trophy odds coming into the 2022 season. So we talk about the favorites, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, etc. I give you five long shots that I like, and I also give you uh, five guys that I would totally stay away from. Now, I should mention... Uh, Quinn Ewers was in that group. When I recorded last week, he had not officially been named the starter. That obviously happened on Friday, so keep that in mind. The idea is it's the lead-up to college football. This feels like a good time to do that, but also because if you like this show, there's probably a pretty good chance that if you love college football, you would like that one as well, and what I'm going to do is give you links in this show description that you can go find this show college football betting with Aaron Torres. So that's what we're going to do today. Wednesday, we will be back on a normal schedule. I am going to talk basically all college football as we get into, <laughs> we're so close. I'm going to give you some some thoughts on the title picture. Uh, Quinn Ewers, as I just mentioned, probably some thoughts on him as well. And then Friday, I will make my official national championship Heisman Trophy picks, all that good stuff. And then it is go time. So that is the plan for this week. We are going to give you a, a preview of what the college football betting show is like. If you like that, do me a, a solid, do me a favor, go ahead, subscribe to that show as well. Uh, links will be available, College Football Betting with Aaron Torres, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Uh, and we will be back to a normal show on Wednesday, talking all things the normal sports. And as I've told you, be patient. we got some big announcements coming for this show. So fired up, so ready for you. But with that said, I'm going to throw to the open of college football betting with Aaron Torres, looking at the Heisman Trophy favorites. And again, if you like the show, make sure to subscribe. And since we're at the end here, let me just say it. Shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel Hates My Voice, JJ Reddick. 
What what a what a I don't even know what to say about that guy. Firefighters and plumbers. All right, let's get over to college football betting with Aaron Torres, the Heisman Trophy edition. I'll be back Wednesday, by the way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody. Another edition, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody is doing well as we are now. As you listen, nine days away from week zero college football. It is here. It is coming. It is close. Single-digit days to week zero of college football. Could not be more fired up and could not be more fired up to get you a little bit of a different kind of episode of the College Football Betting Show. No, I promised you two episodes this week, but what can I say? It's busy behind the scenes. We got some really fun, exciting things coming for the start of the football season, both here on College Football Betting, as well as on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, that I could not be more fired up to share with you, and I will share with you in the coming weeks and days. With that said, after doing all of the conference and division previews, we've done the SEC East, we've done the SEC West, we've done the Big Ten East, we've done the Big Ten West, we've done the Big 12. Do something a little bit different today. We will focus on Heisman Trophy odds. Uh, just a really, I, I always enjoy talking Heisman. I think it's fun. I think it's a fun, you know, and a different thing. But more importantly, it'll also break up what we have been doing with these conference and division previews over the last couple weeks. How I think I'll break up today's show. We will start with the five favorites in the Heisman Trophy odds. From there, we will go to five long shots that I like. And after that, we will go to five complete stayaways to me as far as I'm concerned. Before we get started, uh, a couple quick announcements. One, am hoping to kind of get back onto that two episodes a week schedule next week. Plan is to talk Pac-12 early in the week, then maybe even some week zero previews going into the back end of the week. Uh, ACC probably that following week, and then it is go time. Week one is getting really close. The only other announcements, uh, for those of you who won the 
college football betting gift card challenge. That was, of course, remember, we launched the YouTube channel. I said the first 50 people to subscribe, we will get you a $25 Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. You just got to send me a DM, proof that you have subscribed. Those will go in the mail, hopefully by the end of this week. The issue is I actually have the gift cards. It's actually, I got to go to the post office and get some stamps. So forgive me, I'm busy. I have not forgotten about you. I will get those in the mail for you. Thank you all for your support. And of course, if you have not subscribed to the College Football Betting Show, either here, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, whatever, make sure to do that. And also, if you want to do your boy a solid, go ahead, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. With that said, let's talk Heisman Trophy odds. And right off the top, I'll just say this, maybe a little bit of a surprise in terms of the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, according to the odds makers. C.J. Stroud at plus 220, the Ohio State quarterback is the favorite, and many of you are probably sitting there saying, Torres, how the heck is anyone other than Bryce Young the favorite? And on the one hand, I agree with you, but on the other hand, I do get it, right? Because first of all, there is the Bryce Young element of it, and we're going to talk about Bryce Young here in a minute. Uh, it's going to be hard to replicate or surpass what he did last year, and so I also think there's always some voter... Voters like something new. And so when you factor in that Bryce Young, it's going to be hard to replicate what he did with CJ Stroud, with what he did last year, and what the potential is for this season. I do kind of get why CJ Stroud is the favorite, okay? So plus 220, and the reasons why are, listen, this kid's awesome, right? And, and there's some buzz about him potentially surpassing Bryce Young as the better NFL draft prospect. But even in terms of college football, uh, Ohio State was the number one offense in all of college football last year, and they return, I don't want to say everybody, but basically a, a lot of very important parts to what they did last year. First of all, C.J. Stroud on his own was just absolutely phenomenal, right? I mean, think about the fact this kid is stepping in for Justin Fields, top 20 pick in the NFL draft, statistically one of the best quarterbacks in Ohio State history, all C.J. Stroud does as a redshirt freshman with essentially no meaningful snaps in college football, oh, I don't know, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions, over 4,000 yards passing, and oh, by the way, the last time that we saw C.J. Stroud, do you remember what he did in the Rose Bowl? I know Ohio State, it was a little bit of a frustrating season that they were not in the playoff, but C.J. Stroud threw for 573 yards and six touchdowns. Those numbers seem made up. I mean, that's like old school Tecmo football, like 573 yards and six touchdowns from C.J. Stroud, and I think that was what launched this Heisman hype coming into this year. And what I would also say is, on top of him coming back, an awful lot of talent around him. Now, they did obviously lose two first-round wide receivers, Garrett Wilson drafted by the New York Jets, uh, Chris Olave drafted by the New Orleans Saints, but they also do bring back Jackson Smith and Jigba, who we might end up talking about on this show uh, at some point. I mean, this kid is just, I think he's the best wide receiver, not only in college football, but he's one of the best that I have seen through the years. 95 catches last year, 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns, including a Rose Bowl record, 15 catches for 347 yards. But what's wild about Ohio State they have probably the best returning wide receiver in college football. They lose two first-rounders. But keep in mind, first of all, those two first-rounders, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they said Jackson Smith and Jigba was the best guy in that wide receiver room. But then on top of that, oh, who is replacing the two first-rounders? Well, five-star Emeka Abuka was the number one wide receiver in the high school class of 2021. 
on top of that, you had Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, the, the son of a Hall of Famer, three touchdown catches in the Rose Bowl. And their fourth wide receiver is Julian Fleming, who was the number one wide receiver in the high school class of 2020. So we're talking about guys stepping into bigger roles. We have two former number one overall wide receivers in their class, and then also the son of a Hall of Famer. Also at the running back position, you have Travion Henderson. And so I get why C.J. Stroud is the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Only really knock I can think against him is really, I think, something that's out of his control. It's not C.J. Stroud's fault that Ohio State wasn't in the playoff last year. It's not C.J. Stroud's fault that they didn't win the Big Ten Championship. That defense really struggled, and the only real knock I can find on C.J. Stroud's Heisman odds are the idea that if that defense doesn't improve against the schedule Ohio State plays where they play Penn State uh, on the road, Michigan State on the road, Michigan at home, Wisconsin at home, Notre Dame to open the season, I got to tell you, if that defense doesn't improve, Ohio State is going to again be on the outside looking in of the college football playoff. And as it pertains to the Heisman Trophy, if Ohio State is on the outside looking in of the college football playoff, then their, their season, whether their quarterback is amazing or not, will probably be deemed a little bit of a failure. That would be my only concern about him, is if Ohio State is a team underachieves, I think people will hold it sort of against C.J. Stroud no matter how good he is. So I'll just say this. In terms of do I love the plus 220, do I not love the plus 220, I have no strong feelings. I think he should be favored. You probably could have got him in better odds at various points in the summer. But when I look at C.J. Stroud, I, I, I do understand why he is considered the favorite for the Heisman. Let's go to number two, guy you may be familiar with, Bryce Young, plus 380, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And there really is nothing else to say, right? I, I think sometimes we take for granted, because a guy plays at Alabama, because he's a five-star, because he's hyped, how good these guys are when they actually step on the field. Bryce Young last season, 47 touchdowns, seven interceptions over a, what is it, a 15-game season if you include the playoff and if you include the SEC championship game. And keep in mind that 47 touchdowns, seven interceptions, Two of those interceptions came in that national championship game when he was down his top two wide receivers, Jamison Williams and John Mechie. What I love about Bryce Young, I just think the guy, I, I, I said it during the season last year, he just completely reminds me of Russell Wilson. Totally unflappable, relaxed, poised in the pocket. I, what I loved about him was even last year during that national championship game, when he was really getting hit hard for the first time by that Georgia defense, stayed poised, stayed calm, was a great leader. And I think that transitions into this year where I do think you can probably argue he's probably got better skill position talent around him than he did a season ago. Jameer Gibbs transfers in from Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, of course, was terrible. Jameer Gibbs was maybe the best offensive player, not only that they had, but one of the best offensive players in the ACC. I expect him to continue to have success this year. Jermaine Burton, first round projection by Mel Kuyper Jr., transfers in from Georgia. Tyler Harrell, one of the fastest wide receivers in college football, transfers in from Louisville. And so you look at what Alabama has this year, and I think you can argue Bryce Young probably has better weapons this year than he did a year ago. My only concerns about Bryce Young Again, it's sort of the stuff that, that, that like C.J. Stroud, that is basically out of his control. One, I do think there's some voter, what's the right word, some voter you know, fatigue, I guess it would be, of do guys and girls that have these Heisman Trophy votes, do they really want to vote for the, the same guy two years in a row? 
It seems like one of those, you like to do something different, you like to do whatever. And Bryce Young set that bar so high in season one, I find it hard to believe that he can possibly surpass those. Like, like just think about it like this. He's got to be better next year than 47 touchdowns and seven interceptions to prove to Heisman voters, if you will, that he has improved, whether that is fair or not. That is the perception. On top of that, I would also say this. The other factor that you have to consider, and this happened a few years ago with Tua. Remember the year that Tua was awesome? Not his junior year when he got hurt, but his sophomore year? He kept getting pulled out of games because the team was up so big. I think it cost Tua the Heisman in the year that Kyler Murray ultimately won it. And so because of that, that's another factor with Bryce Young. Ohio State, I think because that defense is a little bit whatever, C.J. Stroud's going to have to stay in game. C.J. Stroud might put up 42 points, but it might be because his defense gives up 27. Well, if Alabama's defense, and we're going to get to one of their defenders here in a minute, is, is giving up 7 and 10 points per game because they're the best defense in college football, that makes it tough to keep Bryce Young in for four quarters. So that's something else to factor in as well. Bryce Young plus 380, have no real strong opinions, probably would stay away. I just, I, I just don't see the scenario where I, I don't think he's going to be able to surpass those numbers. And if he doesn't surpass those numbers, is he still viewed as ascending and a player deserving of a second Heisman Trophy? This is the, let's get to the third guy in the odds. And this is really the first guy that, in my opinion, I'm just out like, like I'm out on him as a Heisman Trophy winner at the odds that you can get. That's Caleb Williams at plus 700. And when I look at Caleb Williams, what kind of stands out to me is that I do think in life, in sports, in everything that we do, sometimes the narrative, the conversation around something is better than what it actually is in actuality. And I think that's kind of the situation with Caleb Williams, not saying he's not a good kid, not saying he's not a good person, not saying he's not a good quarterback. But you go back to last year, that narrative picked up steam so quick where number one quarterback in the country comes to sit a year behind Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler struggles. He gets inserted in the biggest game of the season, the Red River rivalry, puts the team on his back, leads them to a win. Then the season ends, hits the portal as the most high-profile player, kind of that first-ever new-age transfer portal kid where he enters the portal, can go to the highest bidder literally with NIL. Now him and Lincoln Riley are at USC, and they're going to completely change USC forever. And I'm not saying it's not a cool narrative, but I do think there's some things that we have to take into account when it comes to Caleb Williams and his Heisman Trophy candidacy, you know, as far as that's concerned. And what I would say is a couple things. One, I'm just not sold that USC is going to be as good as people think. And I've talked about this on the Aaron Torres pod. We'll talk about it on the Pac-12 preview next week. But you look at this team, not a lot of depth on defense. The offensive line, I won't say, is not experienced. But I think you're just asking a lot for USC to go from 4-8 and eight last year, even with all the transfers, to 10-2, and 11-1, 12-0, and, and competing for a Pac-12 championship. Also worth noting a couple other things. Remember, the Pac-12 this year has flipped the situation, so there are no division. The division winners don't go to the Pac-12 championship game. The two best teams do. And so if, if USC goes whatever, 6-3 and three in the Pac-12, and, and Utah and Oregon, whatever, the point I'm just trying to make is you can make the case it'd be easier to get into the Pac-12 championship game with no divisions. You can make the case that it'd be harder as well. 
But when it comes to Caleb Williams, I, I just got to say this, and it's something I don't get why more people aren't talking about. And this is really why I don't believe that I, I don't like these odds at the Heisman, you know, the, these Heisman odds where they are. Caleb Williams, look at his first three, four games as a quarterback, as opposed to his last three regular season games against the best defenses that he played all year. First game against Texas gets inserted midway through 16 of 25, 212 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Next week against TCU, 18 of 23, 295 yards, four touchdowns. A week later, they play Kansas, low-scoring game, but then TC, uh, Texas Tech, 23 of 30, 402 yards, six touchdowns. So you go through his first four games, including Texas, it wasn't technically a start. That's 14 touchdowns and one interception. Then they have a bye. They play at Baylor, elite defense, 9 of 18 passing, 142 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Gets benched in that game, by the way, and he has a little bit of an injury, whatever. Iowa State a week later, 8 of 18, one touchdown, one interception. The final regular season game, 20 of 39, three touchdowns, zero interceptions against Oklahoma State in Bedlam. So against the three best defenses that he faced, Four touchdowns, three interceptions, as opposed to, what did I say, 14 touchdowns and one interception in the previous ones. And so, again, it's not to say that he's not a good kid or a good quarterback or whatever. I just have my concerns about him against elite defenses in college football. Now, I don't know how many elite defenses he'll see in the, in the Pac-12, but Notre Dame's going to be good. They play Notre Dame to end the year. Utah's going to be good. And I just don't I, – I think the, the mystique around Caleb Williams is a little bit better – I think next year he could be the favorite. I don't love the odds at plus 700 coming into this year. You know whose odds I do love, though? And I already have a ticket on this. It's Will Anderson at plus 1,600. Um, I actually got Will Anderson at plus 3,000 when I was out in Vegas earlier this summer. I love the Will Anderson thing. I, I really do love the Will Anderson thing, and let me tell you a few reasons why. One, um, the numbers are just absurd. Will Anderson had... 33 and a half tackles for loss last year. 33 and a half tackles for loss last year. No one in college football had more than 22. That was Devin Lloyd from Utah. He also had 17 and a half sacks, which was most in college football. For uh, you know, kind of context, Aiden Hutchinson, number two pick, Heisman Trophy runner-up, had 15 and a half sacks last year. If you want to know how good Will Anderson is, besides the, the stats, here's the other thing to consider. Will Anderson was so good that Nick Saban had to pull him out of Alabama's spring game so that he could actually see Bryce Young kind of go through his progressions and do what he has to do. Nick Saban literally pulled him out of the spring game. That's how good he was. And so when I look at Will Anderson, when I look at the stats, when I look at the dominance, here's the other thing with Will Anderson that stands out to me. You go back to last year, it became a big story, especially in Alabama, that Will Anderson didn't even get invited to New York, right? Aiden Hutchinson has that big game on the big stage against Ohio State. He gets to go to New York. Well, Will Anderson's better statistically in every category. And so one, I think that narrative carries into this year. And two, and if you've heard me on the Aratora Sports Podcast talk about this, I'll say it again. I do think there is something to like a social media, what's the right word? Upheaval, revolution, where there's a lot of negativity on social media. I think we all understand that. But there are times where social media can really lead to change. And this is one where I think it could happen, where if this guy is completely dominant early in the season 
everybody is going to be on Twitter every single week talking about it, and every college football writer or radio host or podcast host that you know is going to be saying, Will Anderson better not get snubbed? Heisman voters, you better not send in your ballot too early. This is the best player in college football, and that is the narrative coming into the year. This is the best player in college football. Not C.J. Stroud, not Bryce Young. It's Will Anderson. Not to mention that also Alabama will be dominant. I don't think they're worse than 11-1 or 12-0. And I think it would be cool for a true defensive player, not Charles Woodson, a true defense player, and there's no disrespect to Charles Woodson, but he played special teams, wide receiver, whatever. I think that narrative would really pick up steam over the course of the year. So I like Will Anderson. I've already actually placed a futures bet on it, not to you know spoil who I think is going to win the Heisman, but I love Will Anderson. Even at 16-1, to I think there's a ton of value there. I, think, I, I just think he's going to be in the conversation all year. One guy that I, I worry about being in the conversation all year, this is the fifth favorite. We'll take a break after this guy. It's B. John Robinson at plus 2,200. And look, I, I, B. John Robinson, to me, I think he's everything right about college football, right? Comes to Texas, kind of, he could have gone to Bama or Ohio State or wherever. Wants to go to Texas and help rebuild that thing. Coach that recruits him gets fired, would have been easy to look around, decides that he is going to come back and play for the new coaching staff has a really good year last year, and I think you just look around the Texas program at all the new players since Steve Sarkeesian came in. I mean, you're talking about a 26, 27-man high school recruiting class, a bunch of transfers, the class previously, and Bijan Robinson's been there since the Tom Herman era, which wasn't that long ago, but also feels like a lifetime ago. So he's plus 2,200. I love his story. Uh, by the way, he got NIL, you know, seemingly late in the process. You know, he earned every NIL dollar that he's gotten, so credit to him. I, I love the story. And I do think, look, if somehow Texas is really awesome and exceeds expectations, we're going to need a face of Texas, and maybe he is it. But a couple things. One, if Texas is awesome, the face is probably going to be Quinn Ewers. Mullet, long hair, kind of, I don't know if it's a cool vibe, but he's got a vibe for sure. And I'm just not sure Texas is going to be that good. As a matter of fact, I'd say quite the opposite. I think we're already starting to see like, uh uh-oh, here we go again with Texas. And I don't mean to make light of this, but obviously we all saw the injury news. Isaiah Nayor expected to be one of their best wide receivers. He's out for the year. Starting offensive lineman is out for the year. And I think the other thing to consider, and I've talked about this a lot on the Aaron Torres pod, but they get destroyed by Bama week one. I think we're just going to assume Texas is a punching bag. They're the same old Texas. Or they play Alabama week two. I think I said week one. But they play Alabama week two. And if they get destroyed, I don't know if Texas recovers from that from a perception standpoint of just, oh, the typical Texas, here we go again. Now, maybe they beat Oklahoma, all that. But B. John Robinson, to me, is a total stay away. All right, so what I want to do, I do want to take a quick break. I want to come back. I want to give you five guys at higher odds. Those were the five favorites. I'm going to give you five more guys that I do like as potential, I don't know if, uh, you know, dark horse is the right word, but five others that I do like, and then I will give you five to stay away from. Going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, Let's switch gears. So we just went through the top five Heisman Trophy favorites according to the betting odds. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, Will Anderson, and B. John Robinson. And what I want to do now is switch gears to five guys that I like that are pseudo dark horse candidates. Okay, so players that are 25 to 1 or more right now that I believe have a legitimate chance to win the Heisman Trophy, and guys that I would be willing to go to the ticket and throw down a couple bucks to bet on. Let's start with actually the, the next guy on the list, but he is 25-1, to 1, and it's actually a player I just talked about, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. He is their leading wide receiver. He is 25-1, to 1, and I'll just be blunt. In terms of betting and value, I would rather throw down a couple bucks on Jackson Smith and Jigba at 25 to 1 than I would CJ Stroud at plus 2,800. And the reason why is pretty much what I just told you a minute ago. The guy is unbelievable as a college wide receiver. I don't know that I've really seen anything like him. And it's not just my opinion, by the way. It goes back to what I just told you guys and girls a minute ago. Last year, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were both top. 15 picks in the NFL draft, both wide receivers from Ohio State, and they were asked who was the best guy in that wide receiver room, who was the best wide receiver at Ohio State, and they both said Jackson Smith and Jigba, and frankly, the numbers really back it up, right? Finished with 96 catches, he finished with over, or 95 catches, excuse me, 1,600 yards, and as I said, just an insane Rose Bowl, 15 catches, 347 yards, three touchdowns and keep in mind by the way he was running in for another score and got stripped right at the goal line so he basically should have had four touchdowns over 350 yards that he would have if he hadn't been stripped on about the 10 yard line in the Rose Bowl and so when I look at that guy now I know what everyone's going to say well what's the knock on him he's got other good wide receivers around him but what I go back to is a couple things one if this guy caught 96 balls with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, two veterans in that wide receiver room last year, I do tend to think that he is his numbers aren't going to go down when he is now kind of the leader and the alpha and the oldest player in that receiver room with the young wide receivers I just mentioned, Emeka Abuka, um, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., all that good stuff. The other thing is, if you watched Ohio State last year, as great as Garrett Wilson was, as great as Chris Olave was, this guy was C.J. Stroud's security blanket, and it is reflected with those 96 catches. And what stands out to me about watching Jackson Smith and Jigba 
is that he almost has a Cooper Cup ability. If you watch the NFL with Cooper Cup, and I don't claim to be a wide receiver expert in route running and a, the route tree, like I, that's not where my area of expertise is. But I watch a lot, I pay attention, and the one thing that I noticed is even when you know the ball is going to him, he is impossible to stop. I remember watching the Nebraska game last year, which, by the way, he set an Ohio State receiving record that he later broke in the Rose Bowl with 15 catches in that game for 240 yards. And it was unbelievable to watch. Nebraska's in the game. They're at home. They're trying to pull off the upset like they did against everybody because that was Nebraska last year. And they keep throwing the ball to Jackson Smith and Jigba. And Nebraska knows it's coming and they cannot stop him. And so at 25-1, to 1, I just believe this guy has value for all of the reasons that C.J. Stroud is the favorite. This is going to be a super dynamic offense. This was the number one wide receiver, uh, number one offense in college football last year. He is C.J. Stroud's security blanket. C.J. Stroud has by far the most reps working with him on the field. I just think this guy is special. I just think this guy is different. And at 25 to 1, I really do think there's a ton of value there. Let's keep the conversation going. And let's go to 30 to 1, where the new Oklahoma quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, is at 30 to 1. And I'll tell you, I truly love this. Like, like I'm not just giving you names that I don't believe in, and we'll get to in a minute a couple names that I do not believe in. I really think Dylan Gabriel can win the Heisman Trophy, and, and here's why. I, I think there's this perception. I've read a lot of preseason stuff and talked to people across the sport, and I think there's just this huge perception that Oklahoma is going to take a huge step back without Lincoln Riley. Now, I think Lincoln Riley is a great coach. This isn't like a tear-down Lincoln Riley segment. But one, Brent Venables, is a, I don't know if he's a great head coach, but he's a great defensive mind. Lincoln Riley, to his credit, left the cupboard full. Keep in mind, and I think this is an important part, everybody that's saying that Oklahoma is going to take a step back, Oklahoma had a top 10 recruiting class in 2019. They had a top 10 recruiting class in 2021. Brent Venables helped close a top 10 recruiting class in 2022. You could argue they have one of the four or five most talented rosters in all of college football. And I also think that there's this idea that the offense is going to take a step back without Lincoln Riley. Now, it's going to look different. Lincoln Riley obviously has you know his air raid stuff, his version of it. And again, I don't claim to be an offensive savant. I'm not breaking down uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, New England Patriots uh, you know, play calling in the summertime or anything like that. But what I will tell you is Dylan Gabriel, I, I just be think because he played at UCF, I don't think people realize how good he was. But in the last season, in the COVID season, when he only played 10 games, keep in mind, there was only 10 games because of COVID. 32 touchdowns, 3,500 yards in 10 games for the Central Florida Golden Knights, okay? Not great at math, but a 10-game sample size, that's th over three touchdowns and over 350 yards per game passing for UCF. Last year, Gus Malzahn comes in, different offense. Link D Dylan Gabriel gets hurt. But I do tend to think that Dylan Gabriel is going to put up big numbers, and here's why. You know who Dylan Gabriel's play caller was at Central Florida that year? It was Josh Heupel, who's at Tennessee right now. But you know who worked under Josh Heupel at Central Florida? Jeff Lebby, who is the Oklahoma offensive coordinator this year. So you had, this is why Dylan Gabriel went to Oklahoma, to play for the offensive coordinator that he came to college to play for, to play with a guy that he's comfortable playing with. Remember, Dylan Gabriel was committed to UCLA, and then the day he had to enroll, Caleb Williams hits the transfer portal. He says, boom, I'm gone. I'm going to Oklahoma. And so I, I just sit there and say it's, it's that simple to me. Elite talent, 
with the play caller that was intended. And here's the other thing. I just kind of talked about the opposite with Bijan Robinson a minute ago, is if things fall apart really quick at Texas. But on the flip side, here's the other thing to consider. If things go really well at Oklahoma, we're going to be looking for a face of things, for the guy that is the difference maker, for the guy that is the reason that Oklahoma is overachieving relative to preseason expectations. It's going to be Dylan Gabriel. I think he is going to have a really good year, and I just really, really like him at 30-1. to Let's keep it going, 35-1. to And you talk about, again, the face of kind of a rebirth of a program or of an overachieving program. Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback at Miami, 35-1. to I really do like these odds, and let me go ahead and tell you why. Miami... There's real expectations, and they have a chance to be really good this year. Mario Cristobal's in. He has put together this incredible staff. Josh Gaddis calling plays. Charlie Strong coaching linebackers. Really good staff at Miami. Really talented roster that Manny Diaz left behind. And here's the other thing. I don't think people realize how good Tyler Van Dyke was last year as the quarterback at Miami. Now, it's easy to not know. Because Miami lost two of its first three games, or two of, either two of its first three or two of its first four. But De'Aaron King was the starting quarterback there last year. Obviously, we know that, that whole story. Came to Miami from Houston, came back, blah, 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 this and that. But Alabama get, uh, Miami gets destroyed by Alabama in week one. And then they come back, and a week later, they get destroyed by Michigan State. Now, it was a close game, but they ended up losing. But unfortunately, and this is sad, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but De'Eric King gets hurt and Tyler Van Dyke comes in. Now, I don't think people realize how good Tyler Van Dyke was once he came in because Miami was one and two, and they were essentially irrelevant from that point on. But Tyler Van Dyke finished last season, uh, finished last season 25 touchdowns and six interceptions, 2,900 yards. And keep in mind, I, I actually take back what I just said. Tyler Van Dyke, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions is, is were his season totals. But here's the catch. The final seven games. So he comes in. He's a backup. He steps in. They struggle early with him under center at quarterback. And that happens when you're a, a young guy getting your first start. By the way, the, the losses that they had with him at quarterback, Virginia by two points, North Carolina by three. But I just bring it up because here is what Tyler Van Dyke did over his final seven games of last season. 20 touchdowns, three interceptions. The team went 6-1. and one. Again, you don't remember that because it's Miami and you stop paying attention to them. Let's be honest. But I just bring it up because this guy was really good last year late in the season. 20 touchdowns, three interceptions over the final seven games. Team went 6-1. and one. And again... If Miami does overachieve this year, and I think it's possible, they did really well in the portal on the defensive side of the ball, they have a star quarterback, guess who's going to be the face of it? Now, they go to Texas A&M in week three. I don't think they're beating Texas A&M at Texas A&M. But you look at the rest of the schedule. They're going to have some showcase games late in the year. They play Florida State at home on November 5th. No matter how good or bad Miami and Florida State is, that's always a big rivalry TV game. They play Clemson Saturday, November 19th, and then they close against Pitt. And so if Miami is good, if they're competing for an ACC title, if they beat Clemson, and who knows what's going to happen with Clemson at their quarterback situation, guess what we're going to be talking about? The U is back. Mario Cristobal, it's incredible. But we're going to be looking for a face of it. It's going to be Tyler Tyler Van Dyke. Oh, and one more thing. 
Tyler Van Dykes from Glastonbury, Connecticut, about 20 minutes where I grew up. So you know I got to shout out my guy from Glastonbury, Connecticut. Let's keep going with the two other kind of long shots that I like, and then we'll get to some guys to stay away from. Let's go way down the list at 70 to 1. And I'm not saying this guy is going to win or I think he's going to win. I don't think it's inconceivable, though. It's K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback at Arkansas. What I would say about this really quick is pretty straightforward, okay? So when uh, a few weeks ago on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, that's my personal podcast where I talk about all sorts of stuff and not, not at, you know, we still talk gambling, do our picks every week, baby. But it's not as gambling heavy of a show. But we do a mailbag segment every Wednesday. And one of the questions that I got in the mailbag about three, four weeks ago was from an Arkansas fan. And he said, Aaron, is, is K.J. Jefferson the most underrated player in college football? And in my head, I'm like, no, no, he's not. Of course not. And then I went and looked at the stats. K.J. Jefferson last year, how about this? 21 touchdowns, four interceptions, 67% completion percentage. Plus, he also rushed for almost 700 yards and six touchdowns. Oh, and Arkansas was one of the great surprises of the entire college football season last year. Went 9-4, and four, and this guy, head-to-head, beat LSU, beat Texas A&M, and beat Penn State. And so somebody asked me about him, and I said, ah, he's, he's fine, he's whatever. Here's the bottom line. 67% completion percentage, 21 touchdowns, four interceptions. Will Levis, who we'll talk about in a minute, who's getting all this hype. 66% completion percentage, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and is projected to go way higher. It's worth noting he's plus 5,000 in the Heisman Trophy odds. I'm not saying K.J. Jefferson does it. But Arkansas has that nice blend of a tough enough schedule. They have tied for the most preseason teams ranked in the top 25, starting with Cincinnati at home in week one, where they're going to be constantly kind of being talked about, uh, especially if they're overachieving. But they also have a couple breaks along the way. Last year they played Georgia. This year they don't. They play Alabama at home. They play LSU at home. I'm not saying Arkansas beats Alabama. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if K.J. Jefferson has a half-decent game, if all of a sudden in Arkansas, you know, they're top, you know, in the top 15 or so late in the year and he's putting up stats and he balls out against Alabama, I'm just saying I don't think it's inconceivable, especially if Bryce Young isn't as good as we think. Caleb Williams isn't as good as we think. On and on and on and on and on. Final long shot. And I actually do like this one at 80 to 1. It's Jordan Addison at USC. And it's interesting because, obviously, I just kind of gave you the, the long form why I don't like Caleb Williams at 7-1 plus 700. But when I look at Jordan Addison, a couple things stand out to me. One, although I don't like Caleb Williams, there are going to be a ton of eyeballs on USC. And two, Jordan Addison's kind of wide receiver that can make any quarterback look good. And so you look at the raw stats, right? 100 catches last year, 1,500 yards, 17 touchdowns last year at Pitt. Now, some would sit there and say, well, yeah, but he played with a first-round quarterback in Kenny Pickett. Couldn't I flip it around, though, and say, maybe part of why Kenny Pickett was a first-rounder was because of Jordan Addison. Not, not trying to discredit what Kenny Pickett did, but I'm just saying, Jordan Addison is really, really, really good. Um, now, there's some downsides to it. One, I don't think USC is going to be great. Two, there's more weapons around him at Pitt this year, certainly, or at USC this year than we're at Pitt last year. And finally, and, and I think this is, is logical, is, you know, I, I don't think USC is going to be great, like I just said. And I think Caleb Williams, if they are great, will probably get most of the credit for it. But keep in mind one other thing. 
What if USC is great? And this guy, Jordan Addison, is a big play, big play maker. 15 yards per completion last year. You know what the dumb media is going to do? And I, I consider most of the media dumb except for me and a couple of my buddies. You know what's going to happen because I've seen it happen. I live in L.A. Oh, my God. Like, imagine if he breaks a couple big ones and he jukes a couple guys out of his shoes. What's going to happen? Oh, my God. USC has their next Reggie Bush. It's the new Reggie Bush. No, it's not. But you know people are going to say that. I tell the story all the time. But I was at the Pac-12 media days the year after Steve Sarkeesian won nine games his first year at USC. And they were like, sorry, I remember the reporter, I won't name his name, but he's like, Sark, let me ask you, does this feel like USC back in the days under Pete Carroll? And Sark was like, no, not at all. We went nine and four. Pete Carroll would have been feeling heat if he went nine and four. Well, you don't tell me where to, but, it's so, but that's how narratives start. And so I'm not saying Jordan Addison is going to be that guy. He's not Reggie Bush, but he's a big playmaker. He's going to be in a USC uniform. We're going to be up late watching them anyway. I think, again, don't love Caleb Williams, but at 80 to 1, I do like Jordan Addison. What I'm going to do, take a quick break, going to come back, and we'll talk about some guys that I do not like. Stay away, guys. I will discuss five stay away guys next. I'll be right back. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's start to wrap this Heisman Trophy special of college football betting with Aaron Torres. By now, you already know what I talked about. Talked about the five favorites. Do I like them? Do I not? C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, Will Anderson, and also Bijan Robinson. From there, I gave you five long shots that I do like. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Dylan Gabriel, Tyler Van Dyke, K.J. Jefferson, and Jordan Addison. Now let's go ahead and wrap with five guys that uh, just uh, totally stay aways to me. Uh, you could hand me your hard-earned money, and I would say I can't bet it. I can't walk to the window and put down a bet on your behalf. Here are the five guys that are just total stay aways to me. The first one, probably not all that surprising, it is Quinn Ewers, the quarterback at Texas. And I'm not going to do what y'all think I'm going to do, which is just crush this guy for some of the off-the-field NIL stuff. And, and, and that's not why Quinn Ewers, to me, is not a viable candidate for the Heisman Trophy, but it's for a few reasons that maybe you haven't thought about. One, and I do think this is important, he hasn't even officially been named the starting quarterback yet at Texas. Now, part of that may be that Steve Sarkeesian is trying to wait to make sure that Hudson Card, the backup, does not leave via the transfer portal before the season and basically leave them in a really tough spot. And I do think that Quinn Ewers will ultimately be the starting quarterback because whether he is really the best starting uh, candidate for the job or not, Steve Sarkeesian isn't going to bring in the former number one recruit in the country and not play him. But I think it's also possible that part of the reason that maybe he hasn't, at least as I'm recording, and that's always subject to change by the time you guys and girls listen, I think it's at least possible Quinn Ewers may be a little bit rusty. And I think this is something that I don't think has been talked about a lot with Quinn Ewers. It's really been about three full years since he played a complete season of college fo of football in general. Last year, obviously, goes to Ohio State late. We can agree, we can disagree about all the NIL stuff, but I do understand the situation there. Goes to Ohio State, uh, feels like he's missing out on life-changing money. Okay, not my decision, whatever. You do what you got to do. But what people forget, the year before that, in high school, and what was really his junior year, it, been, it was his junior year, last year of high school football because he didn't play as a senior, 
He got hurt midway through the year, only played eight games. So we are now talking about going back to essentially the fall of 2019, to which the last time that he really played a consistent full season of high school football, and that was when he was basically a sophomore in high school. Now, to his credit, he was phenomenal. 45 touchdown passes in 14 games, so it's not to tear down what he did. But it's just been a really, really, really long time since he has played a lot of consistent high-level football. And so when you factor that in, when you factor in that it's Texas, and I think even though they signed a lot of high-profile skill position guys, I still think their best offensive linemen are super young and freshmen. They signed two five-stars in this most recent recruiting class, but I don't know that those guys are ready to compete at the highest level. And when you factor in also, they play Alabama week two, and I just think, and I talked about it a little bit with B. John Robinson, but there was a lot of Texas excitement in the offseason. Well, you, you look around, one, they really didn't fix anything on defense, and the defense was their downfall last year. Everybody says, you know, well, they went five and seven. Casey Thompson led the Big 12 in passing touchdowns. But did you fix the defense? Because if you didn't fix the defense, it really doesn't matter. And two... Weird stuff is already starting to happen to Texas. They had two major injuries over the weekend in their first full scrimmage. Isaiah Nayor, high-profile wide receiver transfer, out for the year with an injury. Lost a starting offensive lineman for the year with injury. Listen, I believe that Texas will be improved. I believe that Quinn Ewers will be their starter. I just don't believe that this guy is going to be so good that he elevates the program to the place that it needs to be elevated for him to go ahead and win the Heisman Trophy. Let's keep it going, staying at 35-1. to 1. I just don't see Tra- Travion Henderson, the running back from Ohio State, as, as a guy that is going to compete for or win the Heisman this year. And I understand the concept, you know, superstar player, Ohio State, Ohio State's name brand. Uh, and the one thing that I will say about him is that he is basically, he is the go-to back at Ohio State. As a true freshman last year, he was phenomenal. And, and I know everybody kind of compared him to kind of the all-time greats at Ohio State, and he did what Maurice Claret did, only better, 1,248 yards, 15 touchdowns. But when I look at Ohio State, I just think there is so much offense to go around. But I do think that it is going to come down to if Ohio State has a Heisman Trophy candidate, it's either going to be C.J. Stroud, who we've obviously talked about, or I think it's going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba at the wide receiver position doing unbelievable things, elevating his game, and it gets to the point where he's being talked about as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Travion Henderson is really talented, but he just... uh, it's not that he's a bad player. I just don't know that he has the flash needed to be a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. And the one thing you also have to consider is this. You know, Ryan Day, and again, I don't claim to be a scheme expert, but he's a brilliant play caller, but it is a pass-heavy offense. Just to confirm, I looked it up just to make sure I'm not going crazy. They had 494 pass attempts this past season, 423 rush attempts, which seems like a lot. But if you actually go game by game, rush by rush, they actually ranked 112th nationally in rush attempts. 112th nationally in rush attempts as opposed to the pass attempts where they ranked 14th nationally. The focus is just on the passing game. Now, the passing game in many ways sets up the running game as opposed to the opposite, which is how it usually is. But I just look at Ohio State. I think C.J. Stroud is a worthy favorite. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba as a long shot. I just don't see Travion Henderson doing enough with so much talent around him to get into the mix. 
Let's keep it going with the guys that I do not like as Heisman Trophy candidates, and I'll try to, again, keep this quick. I'll say this. The Anthony Richardson hype is just too much. It's, it's just too much, and I get it. He showed flashes, and he was kind of the inflection point with Dan Mullen last year, why Dan Mullen got fired. I don't want to say it was why. He, he got fired because he didn't win enough games. But there was this weird back and forth all season where Emory Jones really wasn't the guy. Anthony Richardson showed flashes. You got to play. At the time, he called himself AR-15. He's obviously said he doesn't want to use that nickname anymore for obvious reasons. But when you actually look at what he did on the field, like, like, like everyone gets so excited about him. Here's what you need to know. In his career, he's now entering his third year of college football. He has 66 career pass attempts, 59% completion percentage. Now, I understand that the rushing stats are absurd. Last year, he did rush 51 times, almost eight yards per carry, and that's incredible. And I don't have any doubt that he is going to be incredible, but I think it's one thing to put him in as a spot guy, as a guy that can step in, uh, you know, uh, make a play or two uh, as, a, as a change of pace guy. I think it's quite another to be the only guy to be the guy that, is, that, that has to carry the entire program. And so I've seen all sorts of Anthony Richardson hype this offseason. I think I saw one NFL draft guy, and you know NFL draft guys are like NBA draft guys. They're the worst. Everybody just wants to be unique and different. And I saw somebody, oh, Anthony Richardson's the best prospect in this, this draft class. I know I'll take Bryce Young. I'll take the guy that threw 47 touchdowns last year uh, and almost won a national championship. I'll take uh, C.J. Stroud, who threw 40-whatever touchdowns and was awesome. You, you keep Anthony Richardson. I don't see it. And then the other thing I think you have to consider – Florida plays a brutal schedule this year, and we did it on the over-under show, but I, I worry a little bit about Florida's schedule. Keep in mind, they open with Utah at home. They obviously play Georgia. Kentucky's got dudes now. They play LSU every year. They play Texas A&M this season. I mean, you're looking, just look at that schedule. Just, just listen to what I just said. We know Kentucky plays real defense. We know Utah plays real defense. We know Georgia obviously speaks for itself. Texas A&M, the talent that they have there. I think you're talking about four, five, top 30, top 25 defenses. And this guy's going to elevate the program. Their over-under is like six, six and a half. We talked about it a few weeks ago. You ain't winning the Heisman Trophy if you go seven and five. You're just not. And so Anthony Richardson, to me, is a total stay away. Speaking of just total stay aways, DJ Uwe Lagondele, 45 to 1, no freaking thank you. Don't wish any ill will upon anybody. I feel bad. I never thought the hype was justified. If you listened to this podcast when we opened it last year, I said, I, I like DJ, but if you watched him closely, he has a little bit of accuracy issues. Well, no, he has a lot of bit of accuracy issues. 56% completion percentage, 10 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Now, credit to Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney's standing by him this offseason. Dabo Sweeney's saying he's my guy. But come on now. We know how this stuff works. Dabo has already benched a vet to play a, fre a true freshman. Almost tripped over my own words there. It was called Kelly Bryant who led Clemson to a college football playoff, and he got benched for Trevor Lawrence. You mean to tell me if Cade Klubnick's not the right guy? They're not going to go with Cade Klubnick at some point very early in the season this coming year? Dabo ain't trying to miss the college football playoff two years in a row. And as a matter of fact, if I was a betting man, 
I'd rather, if there was somehow to bet, does DJ get benched for Cade Klubnik? I'd take that bet before I take DJ at 45 to 1. Interestingly, Cade Klubnik's only 60 to 1. Um, I, I just can't bet it because if he comes in, it'll mean Clemson's probably already taken a loss or two, and then you're already behind the eight ball. Then you have to be not only good, but great to get Clemson back into the conversation. Finally, the fifth guy, stay away to me. You know, I feel bad. I'm not a Will Levis guy. I, I, the Will Levis stuff, I, 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 don't, I don't see. I certainly don't see a number one overall draft pick. I just gave his stats last year relative to K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson had basically the same stats. K.J. Jefferson, 21 touchdowns, four interceptions, 67% completion percentage. Will Levis, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 66% completion percentage. Had fewer rushing yards, almost half as many rushing yards as K.J. Jefferson. I, I don't get it. And what I would say is a couple things when it comes to Will Levis. One, by far his best skill position guy, Wandale Robinson, is gone. Now, I know they added some guys via the portal, and they're excited about that. The other thing is they lost their offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, who went back to the NFL. And I know that their new offensive coordinator, they brought him in, and he's from the same coaching tree. Yeah, I've seen the, I've seen the whole the coordinators from the same tree stuff, and, and it doesn't always work out. I think the other thing with Kentucky, and I talked about this on the over-under show, but you, you, they had some great statistical uh, you know, output on offense, but if you go back and go game by game, you can pick holes against the best teams that they played. They were one of the top, their scoring numbers were through the roof, their yards were through the roof, but remember, they put up 52 against Louisville, 58 against, 56 excuse me, against uh, New Mexico State, 42 against Tennessee, 45 against Louisiana Monroe. They also put up 16 against South Carolina. They put up 20 against Florida, and one of those touchdowns was special teams, so basically had 13 points of offensive production against Florida. 17 points against Mississippi State. So the better teams, Kentucky was fine to whatever. And so I look at Will Levis, and I just I, I don't see a guy that's winning the Heisman. I know it's a cool story. I know it's different. I know, oh, my God, so-and-so said he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. I just don't see it. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the College Football Betting Show. Really appreciate your guys' support. Uh, this has been really fun, and as I said to lead the show, we got some really big things coming. So if you're not subscribed to the College Football Betting Show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to College Football Betting. Uh, go ahead, share, share with your friends if, if you will. Uh, get everybody involved. It's a really fun show. I really enjoy doing it. And obviously, I'm really looking forward to week zero and week one of the season. We'll be back next week. I'll talk a little Pac-12, probably preview uh, week zero. The, the slate is not super uh, heavy. I'd be lying if I said that I'm super excited to bet Nebraska Northwestern. I always tell you, I don't force picks on you guys, and that's probably one. I mean, I like Nebraska this year. I ain't betting them, though. So anyway, probably get back to two episodes next week. We'll have a good time. Make sure if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do your boy a solid. Please make sure to do so. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Really excited, as I've said a few times now, for stuff that is to come. So make sure that you're subscribed. College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. We will be back next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. 
Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.